1: There's a place here at the table, your coats go by the door. You can kick your shoes off in that pile on the floor. I hope you wore elastic. Cause your waistband's gonna get tight.
2: Take time's done with now. Hi guys, it's Sophie.
1: And it's Ari. And you're listening to Happy Night.
2: I don't know. Will we ever get through this? Yes, we will. And guys, we're recording this on Tuesday, but by Thursday, we will have a new president. I really hope that this isn't a situation where like I'm saying this and then Wednesday is a disaster. I don't know how it could be, but we're hopeful.
1: Well, I know how it could be, but it won't spread any more fake news. We are chock full of fake news in this country. You know what I ate this week that you also ate?
2: Uh, food at Tokyo Record Bar and also a whole bunch of sake.
1: That's right. Uh, guys, for my little teeny tiny outdoor COVID, Corona friendly, do you ever think about how we said Corona a lot early on and now we say COVID all the time? Yeah. I that sometimes.
2: I wonder what that's about. I wonder if that's like publications realized like Corona was just getting a bad, getting a bad rap. I don't know. Who knows? COVID sounds much more official in a way that I'm like, it's COVID. It's got that C it's got that V it's got that D it's very hard Corona. You know what maybe happened? It's possible that Corona, the beer was like, you guys, this is really tarnishing our reputation. It's not cool.
1: That's possible. I also think just the association with the beer is bad, regardless if they said something or about it or not. You know, it just makes it feel lighthearted when you're saying it, it's like a joke. Yeah. Anyway, so we were COVID friendly. We, this was all outside. People. It was just four of us. We went to Tokyo Record Bar, which uh, is a Tiny, teeny restaurant bar uh, downstairs from Ayers Champagne Parlor in the West Village of New York City. Our friend Austin Power is the Saki Sommelier there, who we've had on the show twice, and we had a really, really delicious dinner, I thought. So
2: this amazing woman, Ariel Arcee, who we're dying to have on the podcast, Ariel, if you're listening, please come on the podcast. Um, She has three, three, four? No, she has three restaurants in New York- They're all very um, booze forward. So like each of them has a real either champagne or sake or like a wine component. So I always go thinking that like, oh, the food couldn't possibly be that good because the wine is so excellent. You know, it's like she must be focusing on one thing. She's our age. I like so admire her. But the food is so standout.
1: We had the most
2: beautiful yellowtail sashimi with shizo leaves
1: and scallions what it wait what is it called i have to look it up those like fried dough octopus balls like oh, japanese street food with like yum. all that really good mayo and um bonito flakes on top it's like yep it starts with the tea takki takoyaki ta- takoyaki yeah that sounds right
2: i'm making so, that up but let me just double check so that we don't spread fake news
1: sounds right and they have, it's so fun. We oh, We takoyaki. Oh, takoyaki. Ding, ding, ding. Winner, winner. Takoyaki. Also, we there had- was like
2: a grilled romaine situation that was Oh yeah. bellissimo. I was very into the salad.
1: And then like a elevated, um, like a wagyu, like tonkatsu. Yes. It was so good. Hold I usually on, don't it- like the idea of something like breaded like that, like a meat. Like I'm not into like a, what's the German? Uh, schnitzel. schnitzel, like I'm not a big schnitzel person. It's but Auschwitz, then
2: it's not German.
1: Oh, oh, sorry, 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 sorry. <laughs> um, I, yeah, I just thought that was fantastic.
2: Um, did we have dessert? I don't remember. No, we didn't. We See, didn't. I that's was a bummer me too we walked down the street there's two crepe places in new york that seem to still be 24 hours even though every single other establishment has to close at 10 p.m. at the moment
1: i hope you didn't but just get them into trouble
2: i hope not too i won't tell are you listening. what they're called exactly yeah we've got a lot of cop fans i won't tell you what they're called but lines out the fucking door so we wanted to go and maybe get a little dessert crepe but no dice, biggie
1: mhm Even though I'm not a huge dessert person, I thought, oh, it's my birthday. They knew it was my birthday, I presume, because I said in the reservation, but they didn't bring anything out. It's like I even just put a candle in a um like a sake tin.
2: Yeah, I totally agree. I know you gotta make it special. And I think maybe the thing is that they make so many things special there that when it's actually a special occasion, they forget to make it extra special. Does that make sense? Yeah, it does. But we had a sing-along. So because obviously everything is on the street now, we had a sing-along, a Shania Twain sing-along. It was very fun. It was a, it was a great night.
1: Great it New was, York night. It was a great, great birthday night. Thank you. And Sophie got me the best present ever, which Not I will debut. <gasps> yes, debut next week. I'm going to shoot pictures of it on, maybe on Sunday. Guys, or, also- And use it for chip hour next week.
2: We are back for chip hour next Wednesday, January 27th. We have such an exciting chip hour. We're doing it with our friend, Peter Sohm, who's an amazing designer, cook, everything entrepreneur man, entrepreneur
1: man. Yeah. I mean, you, you, Renaissance probably, man.
2: yeah, you might already follow him or be aware of him, but we are doing sort of like a musical centric chip hour. So please tune in Instagram live, uh, 6 PM EST next Wednesday. Okay. On to who we have today, guys. As you know, January is our month of non-stop guests, baby.
1: (laughs) This week, we have on the girls who started Fuel the People, Guyana Joseph and Allegra Massaro. We were so thrilled to speak with them when we recorded this a couple weeks ago. They have been doing so, so much For the community the the past six months, nine months. Sophie, can you explain a little bit of what Fuel the People does? Oh
2: my God, I would love to. So Fuel the People, if you guys are based in New York or DC, and if you've gone to any protests, you may have had their food before. Um, But Fuel the People basically is working to provide food nourishment to protesters on the front lines by supporting Black and POC-owned restaurants and businesses. So basically, they'll go to a you know, to a Black or POC-owned restaurant, get food from them, and they will use that food, obviously, to feed food, to feed protesters on the front lines, making sure that the label from the restaurant is super visible so that if people love the food, they can return to that restaurant. So it's really this idea of mutual aid again, Mm -hmm. which is so wonderful. Um, And it's, it's just all about Black liberation and freedom and
1: And celebration and joy too, like fighting for what we believe in, but also taking a moment to celebrate and be together and break bread. Yes. I mean, it's like, it's really, they're incredible. We are so lucky that they wanted to come on the show.
2: We really are. And that's part of what I think part of what Ari and I, of course, were so taken by with this work that they're doing is that it's saying, why can't we have the food be delicious? Why can't this be a moment of joy? We have all these beautiful people coming together. Mm-hmm. And so making it a moment that feels a little bit more than a bottle of Poland spring and a granola bar. Exactly. Um, and they're so fun. They clearly know so much about food. They're so passionate about food. We just had such a blast talking to them. So enjoy, support them. If you can, you can find them obviously at FuelThepeople, the fuel, Yeah.
1: You can um, donate if you're not in the New York city area, because that's, uh, they take donations to buy, purchase the food from these restaurants. Um, or you can volunteer. If you are in the area, you can distribute the food. You can just help with the organization, I'm sure, to help getting the word out. But it's it's uh, it's just like a win-win. It's yeah. it's a beautiful, beautiful idea that's only only doing good.
2: Yeah. And even <laughs> just going to their website, you can see some of the Black-owned restaurants that they are partnering with. And if you want to go and support those restaurants, yeah. obviously... I mean, guys, local businesses, this is the time. It is really intense what is happening to local businesses. So supporting them in any way, obviously, is super really necessary right now.
1: Without further ado, let's hear from Guyana and Allegra. We are here with Fuel the People, Guyana and Allegra. We are so excited to have you on.
0: Thank you for having us. I'm Allegra. Hi,
2: I'm Guyana. Thank you for having us. Why don't you start off by just filling our listeners in about what the fuel the people is? how you guys got started. I'm also really curious about
0: how you guys know each other. Mm-hmm. Um, so let's just Our start love with- story. So yes, exactly. <laughs> yes. So I can start with telling our love story, Guyana. Please. Yeah. Um, so I went to Bryn Mawr College, which is an all women's college in the suburbs of Philadelphia. Guyana went to Smith, which is also an all women's college uh, in Massachusetts. I
1: went to Vassar.
0: Oh, okay, Seven Sisters, yes, we love that. (laughs) So yeah, we both went to Seven Sisters Colleges and the first time we met was at a uh, conference at Harvard University called the I2M Harvard Blacktivism Conference. Um, It was just about like social justice. And so we first met there and connected. And then we kind of just supported each other at different social justice events throughout our time in college. So Guyana and her team at Smith had put together a conference called Young, Gifted and Black that Angela Davis was speaking at. And I had organized a group um, from Bryn Mawr to go to the conference. Um, So that's where we initially met. And then we sort of stayed in touch always through the combination of social justice and food so Guyana came to DC when she was interning for a summer and you know we stayed in touch through like dinner parties and recipe sharing and um, those have sort of always been the foundations and the pillars of our relationship and I think the week that Fuel the People actually got started we were Talking about cinnamon rolls that week, Guyana was sharing with me her multi-step cinnamon roll recipe and answering my text messages all through the night about if the dough was rising correctly and whatnot. Um, So that's sort of the foundation of our relationship. And then Guyana, if you want to take it from there.
3: Like Allegra said, we've always been connected through food and social justice and um, that's something that's important to both of us. Um, Me as Haitian and Allegra being of um, Italian and um, African-American heritage. So it just made sense um, that when protests were happening, Allegra and I have different, we've had different experiences with protests. Allegra has protested, you know, physically um, in college and after college, obviously, and, the protests on June 1st or June 2nd, it feels like forever ago. The first few protests were the first protests that I have ever gone to. But a went to pr- protest that weekend before um, June. I think the first protest in DC, I think. You know, I was hesitant at first, um, but my little brother was like, hey, am um, he's in college right now. And he was like, Hey, like I really want to go to these protests. Like, can you essentially drive me? And I was like, I guess. <laughs> and, then, and then he also was like, um, yeah, like can you he's like, I actually think I want to like bring pizza too for the protesters. And I was just like, Essentially, you know, he's a college, student. he has no money, he's asking me for money. Yeah. So, so I was like, you yeah, know, how about I cook something? Or and then we ended up making um sandwiches. Cooking is something that I share on social media with friends and family. And Allegra was doing the same thing with her brother in DC as well. Um, and at first we were just, you know, doing it separately where, you know, we're just posting on social media, hey, um, we're gonna go out to feed people at protests over the first few days. I think we were both going out of pocket first, but then you know what happened was people were just spreading the word. Like our network um was just they were just sharing it. And yeah. at the end of the day, I think we both had by the end of the week, maybe like ten thousand dollars or something like that. Allegra reached out to me, of course, we're already t- talking about cinnamon rolls, but she reached <laughs> out to me and she was like, Hey, like, do you let's make this a thing? And I was like, I don't know what that means, and I don't think she knew what I that. I still meant. don't know
0: what that means. To be <laughs> <laughs> we, have,
3: we have literally no idea what that means for this to be a thing, but few of the people came to be because we had so many resources, um, more than I think we've ever. We could have realized, um, I think the first night it was like a $1,000 and then it was like two days later and it was like 10000 Um, So like almost, I think 20K between the two of us, um, New York and DC. And, you know, with COVID, we were making sandwiches just with our friends, like at our homes, um, turned into like mini um, bodegas slash sandwich shops for like two days. And then we realized that, you know, how about, you know, with COVID, how do we fuel Back this money to you know restaurants or black yeah. businesses. And it just made sense. Like we can make maybe two hundred sandwiches ourselves, even though I think both of us together combined just in our separate kitchens, I think we made about five hundred almost 1, you know, just <laughs> yeah, a thousand sandwiches separately. But we could do so much more um if we, you know, create a bridge between the community and the protesters, right? So, yeah, it came to be that it just made, It just made sense for us to, you know, buy food from Black and POC-owned restaurants um, in order to feed protesters. And yeah, that's how it came to be. Yeah, I think the world has aligned, the universe has aligned us in a way where we were able to create this thing um, just by being true to ourselves and just by being true to our passions and our values.
1: It really does make so much sense It's so, so great. What was the first restaurant you guys worked with? Did you reach out to them? Did they find you? Like, how does that generally, did you just like say, hey, we're placing this giant order and they were like, what is this for? Or, you know?
0: Yeah, well, in DC, actually, it was a local uh, Burmese restaurant named Thumi that first reached out to us. Um, and, you know, the owner is um, a friend of a friend and she reached out. It's a Burmese restaurant that her and her mom runs. So she runs the restaurant and her mom is the chef. Um, and she said, hey, like I saw that you're doing this. Um, like we'd love to partner with you and make sandwiches. We'll figure out, you know, they were willing to, you know, despite having been closed for three months at that point, because of COVID, they were willing to do it for free. Um, and sort of said, you know, if you raise enough money, cool, we'll figure something out. If not, like we want to do this, we want to contribute. I think a lot of the people who work at these restaurants are people who might be at these protests and not just because of like the responsibility of being at the restaurant, but also the responsibility of, you know, being in a restaurant that was just reopening and like protecting their health and not going out into the masses and exposing themselves when, you know, they were just starting to reopen at that time. Um, so it was also a way to connect, You know the folks that work in restaurants. Also, a lot of people who work in the restaurant industry are undocumented, and you know don't have the privilege of being able to protest. So, being able to connect them to the front lines. Um, But yeah, in DC, it started with the me reaching out to us, and then the me is it's um, located on H Street in DC, and so it's sort of like a restaurant corridor, Mm -hmm. and then the restaurant, you know, there's an Indian and Pakistani restaurant across the street that heard we were doing it. And so they reached out and then there's a bakery in DC that heard that Thami was making sandwiches. So they donated the bread to Thami to make the sandwiches. And then there's a black owned restaurant across the street called Cowboy Gyms, And we were like, this makes sense. They're all right across the street from each other. So we reached out to them and they offered to, you know, make po'boys at a, at a discounted price for us. So it started at least like, I think, you know, restaurants and that have always been such, you know, integral parts of the community. We're looking for ways to get involved and to get connected. Um, And then it sort of just took off from there. We had restaurants reaching out to us, following us on Instagram saying, hey, you know, we want to help, whether it's like donating meals, whether it's making meals at a discounted cost, whether it's, you know, Mm -hmm. donating kitchen space or if you need places Mm -hmm. to store stuff. Um, And then it just sort of took off from there. And we've been able to build a restaurant network um, between New York and DC of over 40 restaurants. Um, So the restaurants that we pay are the Black and POC-owned restaurants that we work with. And then we also take donations uh, from Ally Restaurants as well.
3: The first restaurant that I think that I contacted was Ponte Bistro here in Harlem. And it's actually one of my favorite restaurants. It's French, Semagolese. And I know the owner um, slash um, chef there, um, Cisse. And he, you know, I, I go there all the time. So he was, it was very last minute. I think it was like protests were on Saturday and this was like Wednesday or Thursday. And I like called him up and I was like, hey, like can you make like 200 sandwiches? <laughs> <laughs> and he was like, sure, of course. Like, and one thing I noticed is that these restaurants the black and POC restaurants, those owners are also part of those communities. Um, their restaurants are at the heartbeat of these black or ma- marginalized um, communities. Through COVID, they've been giving out free meals, or they've been, you know, trying to keep their employees afloat and their businesses afloat. And it just felt, I think, almost like natural to them. You know, at the end of the day, I think this has been a testament, at least, to PLC will take care of PLC at the end of the day. This tradition of mutual aid is so embedded in our communities that it wasn't very hard for me to be like, oh, hey, like of course we want to help and do this because this is something that's innate to like our cultures.
2: Well, I also feel like it adds such an element of joy and like joie de vivre that Mm -hmm. you guys, you know, it's not just Poland spring water bottles and granola bars, Mm -hmm. which of course is great. And that's absolutely nourishment, but it's actually, I mean, you guys obviously come from a place of loving food. And so Mm -hmm. it's such a different approach to be like, we wanna support these businesses and we also want protesters to feel nourished, not just in their bodies, but also like kind of in your soul, right? When you have a good meal that was like cooked by two hands that wasn't made by Nature Valley granola or whatever, it's it's a very different feeling.
0: Yeah, I think um, it's definitely like an extension of our hearts. That's what feel the people feels like. And I think, you know, the first weekend um, after George Floyd was murdered and when I went to the protest here in D.C. with my brother, I sort of just looked around at all the people that were there and you know, like we were in front of the White House, um, running away from tear gas and got tear gassed. And that's a situation, like Guyana said, like, you know, I participated in a lot of protests in college and organized protests. So it's not necessarily a situation that I'm completely unfamiliar to. Um, but when I got to the protest that first weekend, I just looked around at how many people were there and sort of the diversity of people that were there, not just in race, but in in age and so many different backgrounds. And it just made me think, you know, we need these people to not only show up, but to keep showing up. Uh-huh. And, you know, I think we've been really, it's been amazing to see how in DC and New York, how in major cities all throughout the US and internationally, like some cities saw close to 200 days of straight protests for us, Fuel the People was a way to get people to not only come out, but to keep showing up, right? Like to know that when you're there and you're in this space that can oftentimes feel so unsafe and so unpredictable, like you are in a community that is there to protect you, that is there to look out for you, that is there to feed you, to nourish you, to love you, to take care of you. Um, And that is really like what the front lines has felt like. And I think, um, it's been a huge like honor and a privilege to be able to take the food that people do pour so much love into, to the front lines. You know, like we've had some pretty incredible meals that we've taken out there and we, you know, not only black and POC owned restaurants, but most of the restaurants that we work with are also immigrant owned. Mm -hmm. Um, So we're introducing like a lot of new cultures, a lot of new cuisines to people like we have had Burmese food, Ghanaian food, um, Haitian food, Vietnamese food. Um, and a lot of times, you know, people are trying these meals or this sort of cuisine, like for the first time uh, when they're out there, but all of these cultures have a history of giving back and like have a history of like revolution and the food that they serve.
1: This is kind of a shallow question, but important. What do you guys find is like the best food for protesting? A sandwich, like something handheld?
0: That's a, that's a difficult question to answer And also this conversation is making me very hungry <laughs> um, So I don't know why But my, like, in the times that we've been Especially because a lot of the protests Like when we were out there Almost on a daily basis It was throughout the summer When it was so hot in both D.C. and in New York And for some reason for me A half smoke from Ben's Chili Bowl Which is <laughs> like a dc kind of hot dog but it's more like a sausage and then they put chili on top with like onions and mustard it just completely replenished my soul <laughs> <It's> <laughs> literally like sweat dripping down your face as you're like eating this huge chili
2: dog I love
3: it
0: yes and it doesn't always photograph the best <laughs> um, <Yeah. laughs> but it's delicious i actually on christmas eve i went there and was like can i get a half smoke with chili a burger and chili cheese fries um but yeah, so that's that's another part of it, right? Like when we were making sandwiches at home and we would take them out, sometimes people were hesitant to take them. Yeah, because they're like, um, oh, I don't know who you are. It's the middle of a bit pandemic. You look nice, however, in 2020, we really can't trust anyone. Right. Um, so I think the fact that it comes from restaurants definitely helps as well. And so we try to well, we make sure that everything we get is individually packaged. Um, so like we're not, you know, we as much as we can, we avoid situations where we're given like a tray of food, right? And we're like wrapping it up and then handing it to people. So we ask that restaurants individually package everything. The fact that it's coming from a restaurant, like, you know, means that there has been food safety protocols that have been handled. And then for our own volunteers, like we try to do food safety training. So we have gloves, you know, and hand sanitizer and if you are touching food at any stage, like even if it's just carrying boxes or putting it out on the table, um, you have to have gloves on. If someone takes food, I had someone once take uh, jerk chicken that we had from a restaurant in DC called Taste of Jamaica and they brought it back and they were like, oh, this is like a little too spicy. Can I trade it for something else? I'm like, well, I can give you something else, but I can't take this back and then yeah. give it to someone. <laughs> um, so Sorry. I think, you know, Yeah, it's also sort of like the pace and the energy of the protest, right? So in the summertime, a lot of the protests were on the go. And then there were sort of some stages where it transitioned to, you know, a protest that was, especially in D.C., because we have these historical monuments that people always want to gather in front of. Sometimes Mm -hmm. you would go to a protest and it would be, you know, speakers, And like that really was the protest or the demonstration. Um, So if it's the ones, you know, where they're very much like on the go, we try to get things like tacos or patties, like things that are wrapped up and we can just hand to you without needing to give you utensils um, for the ones. And then if we are going to a protest and like we're going to be at the end of it, a lot of times like people will just like sit on like, you know, the lawn at the Lincoln Memorial or wherever um, and sort of sit and have like a like almost like a family dinner.
1: Yes. Um, and so for
0: those, like, you know, we've had like chicken biryani bowls and uh, like mashed potato bowls and all those different sorts of things. So we do really try to get things that can be sort of handed out on the go, but there is a lot of opportunity just based on what the energy of the protest or the demonstration might be to give meals that are more like a sit um and enjoy them like while we talk while we you know discuss the three-hour protest or march through the city that we've all just done together
3: yeah and new york it's like similar to new york was super duper mobile like once organizers like got to really know us they got more comfortable with us because everything was very much like um especially in new york like protests were like planned like the day before the day of like we didn't know when there was a protest we knew there were going to be protests but we didn't know when or where Mm -hmm. Um, but once you got like more familiar with organizers it was easier because um you would know where they'd be gathering in the beginning so we would meet them at the first stop so we'd give out like snacks and water you know so people can walk with and then we would you know have another group of volunteers meet us at our very last stop which would be um again what Allegra said like we'd have like you know mac and cheese or you know um jerk and jollof oh that was really good but we had (laughs) i was just like i was like yeah we did have that Um, we had jerk and jollof you know people would like sit on the great lawn and like eat together honestly we never really tried to limit ourselves when it came to like type of food like we're not a turkey wrap and cold cut sandwiches people like at all because I know Legra and I, when it comes to food, we're not basic like that. So mm-hmm. <laughs> definitely, like, this is very personal to us. So we don't serve any food that we don't love ourselves, I guess, selfishly in a lot of ways. But I think we have good taste, so it's fine. It sounds like you guys
0: have
2: amazing. <laughs>
3: Excellent yeah. taste.
0: I know in, for New York, I would say the most, like, lavish thing was the uh, brisket mac and cheese, mac and cheese. bowls. <laughs> The brisket was like (laughs) slow roasted for 10 hours and that was through um, because we also work with chefs and caterers like not just restaurants. Mm -hmm. Um, So that was like Darrell Smith made those in New York and then in DC we worked with this black chef um, Anthony Thomas who made butter poached lobster mashed potato. Oh my god. (laughs) Yes. 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 Yeah, I didn't get to grab one in time because they went like that. (laughs) Um, But they were really delicious. So yeah, we also like, you know, we want, especially, you know, as a black woman, like food has always been a way that I celebrate myself, my family, my history, my heritage. And I know that that um, is like universal throughout uh, like black and POC communities and families. And so we want people to be we want to give people creative license to make food that they're proud of and yeah. food that represents them, their restaurant, their business, their family. Um, so we're like, you know what, if we can serve it as long as it can be out for maybe like two to three hours and we can hand it to people and we have the proper utensils, uh, we'll take it.
3: Yeah. Yeah. You're out there protesting for three, four, five, eight hours a day.
1: You deserve to sit down and have something delicious. Exactly. I think that's such an important thing. Every protest I've been to, you know, you kind of peel off or it just ends. And you're kind of like, well, I want to talk about what just happened. I want to, you know, continue talking to these people I just met. You know, you want to kind of commemorate this thing that you all just did together. And this is just to commemorate that in the moment while it's still happening is... It's a really simple, but kind of revolutionary idea. There must be so many talented, creative and successful chefs who own these big restaurants, be able to just cook for people outside of your restaurant or your businesses it must feel so great for those chefs on a personal level.
0: Yeah, I imagine. And I I feel like sometimes you read about chefs and restaurateurs who reach that level and people are it's sort of like a character moment. You know, you're like, oh, like you're making food that comes from, you know, like your country or like your family recipes. And now they're sort of inaccessible to people. What we try to make sure is that, like, we're always sort of delivering like dignity, like to what we're doing. So like in addition to feeding protesters. Uh, you know, we did like a big campaign around feeding voters in marginalized neighborhoods where lines were particularly long. I think from throughout early voting in DC, New York, and LA, we fed um, 7,500 people or provided 7,500 meals. Um, And then we've also been doing sort of transitioning now to feeding, um, you know, families and people experiencing like homelessness and those that live in food deserts as well. And I think, for me, like my happy place is the grocery store, like particularly Trader Joe. (laughs) I go in and I'm there for like two hours because I literally know every single employee because I'm just there all the time. I don't know, like being able to walk into the grocery store and have the agency in your own life to to pick what you're choosing to nourish yourself and nourish your family and saying like, I don't necessarily need this food today, but I really want to try out this recipe or, or XYZ, like, right? Like that's, a huge, huge privilege in life. And I think, you know, when we bring food out and whether it's, you know, produce or meals, like we want people to have options so that they have the agency to choose like what it is that they want to nourish themselves. Yeah.
3: To what Allegra just said about dignity, there's this quote from Paola Velez. I think she started the Bakers um, Against Racism Mm -hmm. campaign. I'm not, correct me if I'm wrong, but she said, she tweeted something that, I, that resonates with me a lot. Um, she says, some of y'all are trying to build luxury. I'm trying to build comfort. I don't want to create things that people who grew up like me, look like me, work like me, cannot buy. I don't exactly. want to live in a world where a kid from the Bronx can't buy one of my cookies. And I think, you know, that when it comes to the food that we choose, I think, you know, subconsciously, that's what we're um, always wanting to do. Like, Mm-hmm. You know, a lot of these people who are fighting out in the streets, protesting in a lot of ways are protesting for their right to live, for their right to choose. Right. So the fact that we have, you know, these luxurious food items in a lot of ways, you know, is one, because the people who uh, make the food, you know, like um, Darrell and Anthony believe that the, their people deserve this type of food. Right. Yeah. Because, of course, like it's super expensive to make but they also understand that at the core of protesting is, you know, about fighting for equality, fighting to be able to have everything you want without question. Right. And we want people to be able to experience that. And if even that's even if that's through like lobster um, mashed, <laughs> yeah. made loaded mashed potatoes, um, which I still have not had, but it's okay. Um, I've also never had the mac and cheese because they go so fast. But um, yeah, so even like through that, like people um, experience, of course, like humanity, but just as you deserve good food, like you deserve, right. like after a, a long day of fighting to have that, like it shouldn't be, you know, a luxury in a lot of ways.
2: on the living to eat which i feel like clearly all four of us do. It sounds like your guys like part of your friendship was forged around food. What have you guys been cooking during covid? Yeah.
0: I was actually Guyana and I were just on FaceTime earlier and I was telling her about this. So on New Year's Eve I was at Trader Joe's and had they been open until midnight that is where I would have chose to ring in the new year. <laughs> but I just was like, you know what? I just have this vision of starting January 1st and this new year of life, which is hopefully better than last year with just like a belly full of spaghetti bolognese. And so I just bought a bunch of stuff at Trader Joe's and made, like Guyana said, like my dad's Italian. So we're always like making homemade sauces. I just made homemade bolognese sauce. And now it has become this thing over the past two days where I've been taking bolognese naps. So, And it is a trend that I hope... I continue through 2021 because it's been like a form of self-care. Yeah. So that's one thing that I've been making, just playing around with like a lot of um, homemade sauces. And then I'm not the biggest baker, More so because (laughs) I don't like to follow recipes. I'm sort of like, I'm just going to add seasonings until the ancestors tell me that this is enough of this, this is enough (laughs) of that. And, you know, baking a lot of times I've I've learned that there is a lot of creativity in baking, but it does have to be very precise, at least with the foundations and like, and the basics. Um, But I've been getting more into baking and trying, um, trying out some new things, but I know Guyana has been doing that as well on the cake front.
3: Mm, Yeah. Uh, i cook a lot actually i'm always trying new things and also exploring possibly doing that on the social media side somehow yeah um follow black girl bites on instagram wait great um, well, I... well, black girl bites. black girl bites yes black girl bites you know um Done. Plug. but i for during quarantine i think i ended 2019 from a place of trying to heal my relationship with food During quarantine, I really had the time and the space to be more intentional with the food that I was making Mm. and the food that I was putting in my body and understanding that I don't have to punish myself for wanting to eat certain things as often as I want to eat them, but also just like take that food experience into my own hands more intentionally. So yeah, I just learned how to create the food that made me feel good, right? Yeah, I spent quarantine perfecting handmade pasta mm-hmm. and, of course, like homemade sauces as well. Pizza. I've gotten really good at pan pizzas, cast iron pizzas. Are you making mm. your own, like, I am pizza making, dough? Yeah, I'm making my own proper pizza dough. If you want anything to do with pizza, um, Brian Ford is really good at talking about um, bread. But also um, Ken Forkish
2: and Andrew Andrea. I have his book, and I literally open like <laughs> anything Ken Forkish, and I'm like, okay, I gotta close it. I don't know what the fuck. So it's so, it's so like. much science, <laughs> so intense. It's so
3: much science, but if you really like take the time to really read it, it makes it starts making sense. Just how literally these very simple ingredients. I think Michael um, Pollan talks about it too, about how you know cooking is a conversation with nature. You're taking so many mm. different um, pieces that seemingly make no sense. Like separately, I like garlic and onion are similar, but very different, but together they're the basis of anything beautiful, right? So like cooking is like just having that conversation with nature, putting things that sometimes don't make sense together. And um, that's why I love to cook. And that's something that I learned in quarantine as well. Um, it's just being more intentional about, you know, how ingredients work together. I'm learning more about the science behind cooking. I love watching the food science videos by Epicurious. They're my favorite. I learned a lot. Yeah, they have, it's called Four Stages. So it's like an amateur cook, a home cook, and then um, an ex-chef, like expert chef, and then a food scientist breaks it all down. And I've learned so much about that. But yeah, in quarantine, I've just... I've just been like giving love back to myself and obviously to my community through food. And um, I've perfected a chocolate cake, I think, on my oh. third try. And wow. now I move on to puff pastry, which is what I was telling Allegra earlier today.
0: Really daunting. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> really hungry. Wait. That's awesome. Now, okay, because...
2: Wow obviously I have watched so much Great British Bake Off so I feel like by now I should understand all the different methods of making puff but like are you doing a rough puff or a (laughs) other kind of puff (laughs) so King
3: Arthur actually has a really good puff pastry recipe I want to do like a proper like puff with lots of lamination lots of layers um so I'm going to be doing like you know dough butter fold dough butter fold until it's (laughs) the way that it's supposed to be but um and I have a specific reason for doing that um I think a lot of people do puff pastry for like you know French pastry but there's a Haitian thing called Haitian patties and it's made with puff pastry and that's the only reason why I want to know how to make puff pastry
2: so you're gonna make a savory thing
3: right yeah yes. favorite,
1: so. mm-hmm. yeah <laughs> I just have to say really quickly Allegra I'm uh also my dad is Italian and I call it the bolognese haze <laughs>
0: <laughs> I love that yes I'm gonna start calling it's it real. Yes. Add, like a, a daily calendar to my schedule yes. it's like the <laughs> it's bolognese like haze is
2: setting in yep do you guys I realize I don't even know because of course Fuel the people is like the venue through which we came to know you but do you guys have? Is this now full-time your job?
0: Um, so no, we do have full-time jobs outside of Feel the People. is also a full-time job, but also a labor of love. <laughs> Feel the People has been amazing. And it, it's something that was like very ha- easy to say yes to. Like, you know, I think especially mm-hmm. like working in the corporate world, it's always going to be more exciting to throw yourself into something that's social justice oriented, like where you can see the direct impact. I feel the people like it got a lot of attention from like the food media world and like food influencers. And, you know, we wanted to use those opportunities to pass the mic to, you know, black and POC chefs and amplify their voices, their stories, their businesses. So we were doing things like social media campaigns around Juneteenth. Like we started something called a seat at this table where we had, you know, like chefs like chef Dominique Cren passed the mic to chef Tanya Holland and gave her her in- did an Instagram takeover for the day or we worked with punch and organized for like three black bartenders to do a takeover on Juneteenth where they made you know Juneteenth themed cocktails and talked about like what it's like to be like a black person working in the restaurant industry in COVID so it um it definitely yeah. was a lot and I think um sort of, we were doing some planning earlier on like what we wanna do throughout the year in addition to, you know, like going out and like giving food in communities. And like, we were sort of saying like our theme is sort of rest in resistance and, you know, like finding ways to not only like take care of, take better care of ourselves, but also like show how food can be a form of love and a form of self-care and restoration in, in the theme of resistance.
3: Yeah, I think corporate world, corporate structures, you know, as especially like Black women take a lot from us. So Feel the People, at least for me, has been a place where like, you know, it is a lot of work. But like Allegra said, it is a labor of love. It is something that I think has brought us um, closer to like each other, to ourselves, to our communities, especially. And it makes, you know whatever is going on at work nine to five more bearable not to say that um our jobs are terrible but
1: um
0: you know uh, that anyone hiring no i'm kidding
1: (laughs) (laughs) wait so i know that your guys your brothers are also involved in this like are they (laughs) yes are they pulling their weight
3: yeah no definitely they definitely are we're grateful for them um very grateful they, yeah very, <laughs> shout out if they're listening uh <laughs> shout out to y'all for the work that yeah, um, they do I think they're just like dudes so they're just like these are our sisters so <laughs> we're, <just> gonna, <laughs> yeah. we're gonna let them talk because I think we both have like very strong like personalities too so yeah but then we've
0: also <laughs> like in addition to our brothers, we've also been very, very fortunate at like the network that sort of yeah. built within Fuel the People. So, you know, so many people have introduced us to folks who have been so instrumental, especially like in our infancy. You know, like a, a my brother introduced us to someone who like works in food PR and has been like helping us like so many things that we didn't think were possible (laughs) has helped Mm -hmm. us like realize that they are possible and really helped us on that front. We've got folks, you know, doing restaurant partnerships and coordinating people doing volunteer coordinating people, helping us with communications with fundraising. Um, So people have found, you know, not just about, because I think, and this is sort of what fuel people was born out of it's like not everyone has to be on the front lines right like there are a lot of reasons um and you know like we've had people who have said like hey like." I'm hearing impaired, and like I like volunteering with Fuel the People because you know you sort of are like sometimes on the sidelines of the protest, and um, it allows me to come out in a way that I maybe otherwise wouldn't have been able to. Um, and so I think you know everyone sort of has different skill sets and talents um, and resources that they can contribute to furthering the movement. And you know for some folks that's been saying, hey, like I do, you know we've had people reach out to us, like someone who does like food PR for like, um, Uber Eats and Taco Bell and all these big brands and said like, hey, like I'm gonna give you guys some tips on your social media page or people who have, you know, like my aunt Vicky who's 70 something years old created an Instagram just so she could follow a few of the people. And it's like, he call, calls me and it's like, hey, like, can you give me a list of people who you need to write thank you letters to? Like, I'll write them for you. So we are really lucky to have supportive brothers, supportive friends, and also like the family that we've built sort of the family and the the community that we built around fuel the people that really are like the foundation and the pillars of it yeah now you too welcome to the family yay (laughs) (laughs) everything
3: we can do to help yes (laughs) it's so awesome i was gonna say we also like um in terms of like when we do our volunteer onboarding we always ask the question what talents do you have that can help set people free and I think it also, like, allows people to, like, go inward and to think about, you know, what can they contribute? Like, some, for example, like, I was never someone who could see myself out there protesting, but I know I like to eat food, and I love to cook food, and I, that's how I like to share my love with people and give compassion back to people. And that's how I found my place in the movement, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and then, you know, it really gets people thinking, like, one of the people who we volunteer, who volunteered with us, who is our partnership coordinator um the wonderful sarah rose she's emerged as someone who's like really good at you know organizing but also she does all our graphics right so she helps get the information out there or um you know armani who's also done graphic design for us or you know some people in the beginning who um was you know smith alum emily who worked in pr or just communications and writing you know, a press release for us and all that for the stuff that we're trying to do around Juneteenth. We've been really super blessed to have, like, I just feel like the right people are always the people who are gravitating towards us. Yeah. Which is like really, really wonderful. So we're like super grateful and blessed um, for the opportunity to do this work and to, you know, like, like I said, to build like such a dope family of people.
1: Oh, I just want to hang out with them all the time.
2: I know me too. That was so fun. So fun. Also it was like, wait, you, you guys have uh, other jobs too. I oh know. my God. Like they're Uber real people.
1: <laughs> yeah. Well, they're just so driven and passionate and I'm just so awed by both of them. I'm, I'm just so happy. I think we, every now and then you and I have a guest on the show. I mean, we love, we love all of our guests. Don't get me wrong, but where we really feel like, wow, these are our people. We are seeing eye to eye on all of these different levels. Not, not only in terms of food, just in terms of like, I don't know what we, how we view the world. Yeah. So for two young women, like around our age to be doing this, it's um, a real treat. And I'm hopefully we can, collaborate with them more in the future and help get the the word out more and support more protests. Yeah. Yeah.
2: So guys, we love you. We will see you next week. Oh, we have a bonus episode actually coming out tomorrow, which we're very excited about. Our beautiful, wonderful friend, Sophia Samuda, who is a gardener, um, is coming on to talk about growing things in a city or indoors and in small areas. So tune in for that. Yes. And, We'll see you at Chip Hour cocktail in hand, baby. Goodbye, dry January. Ari and I obviously did not do dry January, but you know. Is that even is
1: that still January though? Yeah, it's the 27th. <laughs> oh, so not goodbye, but. I'm saying come to Chip Hour
2: that. and say goodbye to dry January.
1: Got it. Well, you, got it. <laughs> you guys, guys, yeah. Come see us with Peter Som on the 27th, 6 p.m. Eastern time, Instagram live. Thank you, Colin, for bearing with us yet again, another year, another season of episodes. We love you. Thank you, Guyana and Allegra for coming on the show. Thank you, Sophie, for my birthday dinner, my birthday present. And thank you all for listening. Happy inauguration.